Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. everyone and welcome to the best damn camp a road inverse read long and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by rick riordan in timeline order i'm your host fran and welcome to the show today however i am not alone as i have a very special guest who you all should know by now if you are a fan of youtube and percy jackson because i am pleased to welcome Celia from the Unclaimed Demigod YouTube channel. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It is an absolute pleasure. Oh my God. Thank you so much for inviting me and for that lovely introduction. <laughs> I am super flattered. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here today. Literally, I'm going to say, I mentioned your name, like your YouTube name to someone. It's like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. I've got them coming on the podcast. And I, you've got them coming on your podcast? I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> really? Oh my God. <laughs> so it's um it's particularly your rewriting Heroes of Olympus series that they mentioned, and I was like, yeah, that was the one. That was the one that sold it for me. That got me obsessed. Okay, yeah, I feel like a lot of people know me from that um those three videos that I did, and I'm so glad because I I have a lot of strong feelings towards the Heroes of Olympus, so those <laughs> are some of my favorite videos that I've done of all time. So I'm so glad people know me because of that. <laughs> definitely they are very good videos which is why I was like I I know I need to have you especially for the lost hero which is you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so I was like I know I have to have you on I'll probably have to have you come back on in future as well for some of the other books as well because there's lots of thoughts lots of feelings um yeah. and I was like you are the expert for like in a sense with this for Heroes of Olympus on roasting Heroes of Olympus oh yeah it's yeah, the I'll best thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Literally, it, I feel bad because I'm like, I love these series. Like, I've got a bunch of tattoos to do with mm-hmm. the series, but oh, they are they are really good to roast because there are some yeah. things where you just mm-hmm. like, what was this decision, Rick Riordan? <laughs> I feel like when people watch my videos for the first time, they get the feeling that I hate the heroes of Olympus, and that is so not true. It uh. has special place in my heart because it changed my life as a reader and it obviously thanks to that I created my YouTube channel exactly. so I it a lot and I love it but at the same time I am completely aware that it's by no means perfect and I love roasting it so yeah yeah I think there's a whole thing like it shows if anything your level of care for the series that you can pick it apart and still enjoy the books all the same it's not like you pick them apart and then you just never read them again like you still do so because you enjoy the series I mean if I didn't care for it or if I just hated it then I wouldn't talk about it as much you know like I would just be like this is not a good book 
and that's it. I wouldn't create a whole YouTube channel around the series, you know? Exactly. I think that's one thing people are just like, oh, it must just be like, I know there's some people that create channels specifically just to kind of dunk on certain things, but like, it's usually multiple things, not just like one particular topic, but like, Mm -hmm. it's not just negativity. And I feel like that's a thing that people don't understand. Like critiques doesn't equal hate. Which I feel like so many people, and sometimes especially in the Percy Jackson fandom, they don't understand that that's a situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is why I enjoy podcasts like a lot more because like there's less chance of like you know when you get like those messages like those comments on YouTube and you're like, did you did you not understand the point of this video? Like that's not why I was saying, <laughs> and just like yeah. the rage. So you don't get that as much with podcasting, which is why I was like, you know what. I think you will enjoy this because there is no chance of getting any kind of like hateful message. Well, you won't. I will if they want to email in. They'll direct it oh to me. God. I say this to everyone who's come on at some point. We're like, you know what? If you have really bad opinions or like if you really hate something, don't worry. They won't come to you. They'll come to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but in a funny well, way, I find any kind of message where they're just like, you know what? I really hate your opinion about this. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate this. Like it's a compliment to me that you took the time to tell me okay. that you think I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, that's a good way to take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's what therapy's for. For yeah, it helps you through it. <laughs> that's what all podcasters and YouTubers should be doing: dealing with possible hate messages by going to therapy and finding constructive <laughs> ways to deal with it. <laughs> Honestly, I should do that. Because some Therapy's of the messages good. I get, it's like, oh my god, I can't. Percy oh. Jackson fandom. Ships. Oh ships! Oh my god. Yeah. No, 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 no. Percy yeah. Jackson fandom, do better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please, please, we are begging. We're, like, I won't get on my knees because I'm not that desperate to say, please be no. nice, but like, <laughs> but tr- try. That'd be great. I just, like respect other people's opinions maybe just like a new idea just from yeah. out there maybe you'll learn something maybe you yeah. won't Fran yeah. get your head together you're going off <laughs> on a tangent now Skip I'll get us back to it because I've gone I've taken us off a, a off a road <laughs> so um obviously for everyone who is tuning in you know what is up we are continuing today with the timeline journey with the lost hero story break a change of power and bunker nine which is from pages 519 to 538 uh one of the shortest sections in the entire (laughs) lost hero of this specific story break and i'm very grateful um (laughs) it means less to read of this book but um today the things that we are going to be focusing on are demigod relationships plot reveals and just generally what we thought of this section but to begin here is the synopsis slash overview from celia well i i was listening before i give the synopsis uh to you give the synopsis for other parts of this book and i was like the thing i wrote down is so lame compared to how you do the synopsis because you sound so cool like someone who's truly selling the book and I was like you're just like yeah the trio just gets transported back to camp but anyhow I'll give my synopsis the trio gets transported back to camp uh they turn up in the dining hall during dinner and then they just give a recap of their whole adventure afterwards Piper challenges Drew to a duel over leadership 
of the Aphrodite cabin and she wins, unsurprisingly. <laughs> then she goes and has a little heart-to-heart with her father. And then she goes and has another heart-to-heart with Jason in the basketball field. Then we go over to Leo's chapter and there he shows everyone from his cabin, Chiron, Jason, and Piper, Bunker 9. And they find out from Chiron that there are other demigods. They don't specify what happened during the Civil War. They don't say anything. We just know that there's another group of demigods out there and that Leo and Cabin 9 are going Cabin 9, no, and Hephaestus Cabin are going to be building the Argo 2, named after, obviously, Jason's ship. And that is pretty much all that happens. Yeah, it, it really, not a lot happens in this. I realize this mm-hmm. is a very short section where it's just kind of like, Piper is the new leader, Leo brings people to Bunker, the, the three, the trio are part of the seven. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Nothing much. else. Um, which is kind of disappointing but also at the same time I'm kind of like I'm, I've been expecting this for a long while like I swear every section I'm just like it feels like nothing's happened in every section that I've gone to I'm just like like lots of things happen but it just feels like nothing has happened at the same time um, which is kind of hilarious and um, very very sad but um I was like, just because you mentioned it in your synopsis, um, this is a thing that I surprised me actually how big of a thing it was while I was reading this again. Because I know that like the Civil War was mentioned mm-hmm. in Heroes of Olympus. I forgot how tied in this battle between these two different sets of demigods to the Civil War, you know, the fight over like whether or not human beings should be able to enslave other human beings yeah. kind of war mm-hmm. is integral to the demigod separation. I'm like, who thought this was a good idea <laughs> to tie <laughs> this to the most barbaric reasoning for a war in not all history, but like in recent history, like Rick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I was honestly super surprised. I'd completely forgotten it was like that conflict that we tied it to. And also uh, in the book, I don't think that there's any mention to what the conflict, to what the civil war was actually about. And that surprised me. I was like, why name drop the war if you're not going to explain what it was about and why it was so devastating for like America? Mm. So that kind of surprised me. Yeah. That's totally weird because I knew that it happened because I know there's references like people make of like, wow, and you know, I talk spoilers here, so it, it's fine. <laughs> the fact that Jace, like Camp Jupiter, was with the the oh, wait, the Confederates. That's it. They were on the side of the Confederates. I'm like, uh, well, fuck? <laughs> well, what was this it's decision? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so seeing it here in this section, I was like, oh my God, it's literally intrinsically tied to why these two camp, like two sections of demigods were split because of this direct conflict, which is like, wow, Camp Jupiter was literally created because the Confederates were pissed. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay, then I think now from now on, whenever someone asks me if I identify as Camp Half-Blood or Camp Jupiter, I have like the best reason to say that Camp Half-Blood all the way because yeah, 
bam, that history. Yeah, honestly, I'd forgotten about. So I used to be like, yeah, no, Camp Jupiter, because like, you know, you're more likely to live at Camp True. Jupiter. But like, it's because I'd forgotten that they were basically Confederates. <laughs> Not a good look for Camp Jupiter, honestly. No, no. Oh, God. I just had to start with that. I can't believe I've started this actually off on like a really dark note of, hey, Camp Jupiter, they're Confederates. Yay. It's a great start. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) We can't even really move on to anything light because everything's quite intense from here on. It's kind of hard to move on from that. (laughs) Yeah. So to Piper as well which is even more unfortunate because Native American and obviously you know mm. ble- oh, not, any, not, not any better. So a part that really like jumped out for me was when Chiron said the Civil War was kind of like the bloodiest battle in the U.S. more deaths than uh, with World War One and World War Two, and I was surprised that they didn't mention the extermination of Native Americans in the U.S. because obviously I don't think we have exact numbers or anything about that, mm. but Piper is right there. And you don't even mention that uh, there's been other conflicts before that. I thought that was super surprising. Yeah, but actually, just because we're mentioning that, actually, um, to everyone listening, I'm actually popping in the episode show notes just some links to help support um, the different um, organizations going on at the moment to help with the Native Americans um there there's various different things like the pipeline that's going on and petitions for that so i'll be putting a bunch of the links of that in the episode show notes and i'll keep be keeping that there alongside um the uh asians asian lives matter black lives matter and trans lives matter links that i've got down there as well so i'll be popping a few more down there so be sure to check all that sort of stuff out because you know there are a lot of bullshitty things going on at the moment even if i'm not the most educated um, I'm trying to be and this is one way that I can help with that so just a note um, things in the episode show notes for um, resources to help the Native Americans um, with the many things going on at the moment in their communities um, just for an aside for that um, especially based on the conversation because I know this is something that's been brought up especially the the poor representation for Piper as a character mm-hmm. being a Native American character herself uh, we'll move on to the Piper's chapter overview in this case so uh, so do you want to uh, read this section here or do you want me to go over it uh, the part wait 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 so, uh, so these but- Piper finally gets some yeah. rest okay should yeah. I just read the whole thing Okay. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Perfect. Piper finally gets some rest, which makes sense after carrying most of this story. Honestly, true. Mm-hmm. In the morning, she challenges Drew for the head counselor role and wins with ease. With a healthy threat of violence, the Alfredetti Kevin are thrilled, bar one, about their new leader. Heading down to the big house, Piper has a call with her dad, and though sad he doesn't remember her bravery, she's glad to see him smiling again. Meeting Jason, a foreboding message of his past, being bad news arrives but now isn't the time to worry they they've got a meeting with leo (laughs) they're meeting leo in in the (laughs) woods so they better get to it yeah so that's that is dyslexia right there where that was meant to be that oh no that was it was all a mess that was meant to be they've got i missed the word god (laughs) my god (laughs) it's fine (laughs) i do this every time i'm just like why do i keep asking people to read this when i because i know that there are spelling mistakes and it's going to be found out but uh it's fine it's good (laughs) 
um but yeah so it, it was a short section for piper but quite a few things did kind of come up for it there was one thing that like i love that she's the new head counselor for aphrodite because it kind of makes sense like you know mm-hmm. it's it's how it's going to be but the thing that did surprise me is that she used physical violence or the threat of physical violence to get her way yeah which like doesn't feel like something piper would do like everything that we've seen piper do throughout this series even our introduction to her she doesn't like bullies she doesn't like Mm -hmm. people who throw their weight around to get what they want but that's exactly what she does here like she very literally draws out her wife uh, her wife her knife (laughs) 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 oh my gosh um i may have to cut this out actually no i can't say it having no i can't shit i can't say anything (laughs) um she draws out her knife on an unarmed girl so like drew is unarmed and she pulls a weapon on her like someone who is completely defenseless in this case like it's just so such a thing that piper would not do from everything that's been characterized i was like mm-hmm. wait what <laughs> what's happened here yeah this isn't I piper feel- yeah it is super weird and i did not like that at all but i feel like rick might have been going for like a parallel between how drew rules by using um what was that called the charm speak mm-hmm. and then you're like oh well piper does it because she's been on a quest and she's like trained and now she's like a real demigod because she can fight as well because it's Mm. like a stereotype that Aphrodite kids don't fight and they don't do anything useful so maybe he was like oh Piper is using her experience or something and she doesn't have to use her actual powers in order to gain leadership or something but it also did not sit well with me that scene as a whole I I didn't like it at all especially the fact that she's been at camp for like what two days and then the whole cabin is ready to have her be the leader I'm sure there's someone else who's been there a little bit longer who is not a tyrant like Drew that could lead the cabin at least a bit better than Piper could I don't know yeah I mean especially based on the fact that like she is later named to be one of the seven she's not gonna be there for most of the time of being a leader of the aphrodite Mm -hmm. cabin so i don't get why she wants to be because like literally throughout she's been like ragging on how awful it is to be a child of aphrodite because aphrodite's useless like there's nothing useful i can do because i'm a child of aphrodite and then suddenly Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's like she's waking up she's happy she's chill I'm going to be the head of Aphrodite, knife to your throat. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Where did this come from? <laughs> like, where was this it energy? Makes no sense. Yeah. And then she's basically the head counselor for like seven months. She leaves. Mm. <laughs> How much into spoilers can we get? Oh, we can go as far as like literally go for it. <laughs> okay. So Trials of Apollo as well. Yeah, yeah, literally, I've spoiled okay. so many things, it's all good. So in Trials of Apollo, she's not even at camp anymore, she just goes, where are they, California, I think, and yeah, then she yeah. stays there, so from that, we can easily guess that she was only head counselor for those seven months, and in my opinion, I think that she just wanted to be head counselor, so she could be on the same level as Jason, because Jason, obviously, being the only child of Jupiter slash Zeus at camp, he would be made head counselor. So she just wanted them to be like on an equal position. 
yeah and especially considering like after that happened she goes to see jason immediately yeah. afterwards well no, no, mm-hmm. no she goes to see her dad and then she has that moment with jason that. yeah and focuses on her looks and this this is the thing so i think it was on the podcast seaweed brain mentioned that like every introduction or every meeting with a character is they are solely introduced based off of their looks more than anything else like there's no real kind of focus on their personality how they act their body language it's just what they look like like a point for point description of what they look like instead of who they are as a person I know that's like Mm -hmm. a writing thing like it is useful to describe what someone looks like but like that's not the only way to introduce a character mm-hmm. and yeah it was disappointing and it's kind of ties into like what happens in this chapter as well of like she threatens drew to go nowhere near jason i'm like Ooh. girl yeah. you are was... even a couple yeah <laughs> like, i i hated that line when she turned around <laughs> and then said that i was like why why did rick feel the need to add this it's so unnecessary And I just, I hated it. It felt so possessive over Jason. Yes. I did not like that at all. Piper's obsession with Jason in this book mostly, I feel like, but in in the other books, that's my least favorite part of her character. Yeah. It's something that's really disappointing about her character because like her whole introduction was to be a different kind of Aphrodite child. Mm -hmm. And yet as the series progresses, she becomes exactly that kind of Aphrodite child by focusing solely on her romantic interest Mm -hmm. and that alone and it's just it's really disappointing because like you look at other characters like Emily Hazel has her moments of like she's not the most well-developed character but like like Annabeth like Annabeth is technically the only well-developed female character maybe Raina as well from like the bits we get in here and in in Charles of Apollo as well although some issues with Charles of Apollo but um there aren't met much development of the female characters in this series. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is just another moment of like Rick kind of not really knowing what to do with his female characters. Like I can't like I would have been fine with her randomly threatening Drew if she then <laughs> didn't immediately afterwards threaten her again mm-hmm. with more like violent language about Jason in this possessive, jealous way over someone who isn't actually her boyfriend over someone she doesn't actually know because mm-hmm. she doesn't know who he really is she nope. has all fake memories and yet she's saying yeah these memories are true and I'm like babe no oh. <laughs> uh, it's so sad how literally almost everything Piper does is in some way tied back to Jason like either with the reasoning or something like that. And yeah. I wish she could be more independent because I feel like Piper's character is one of the ones from the seven that has the most potential to be super cool and one of my all-time favorites, but mm. it just falls flat because instead of being her own person and then having different relationships, her whole character is based around her relationship to Jason almost all of the time. Mm. And it makes me so mad, honestly yeah it does and I think that's the case with quite a few characters like there are some characters that I feel mm-hmm. and it's mainly romance related like the romances in this series really screw up so many <sighs> like Leo is the main one his arc should have been about finding love with himself and not getting a girlfriend yeah. whereas 
when he's seemingly getting to that point where he's accepting that he'll be single and like he's happy with that and stuff like that he's gifted a girlfriend (laughs) yeah oh and obviously we're going to talk about that at some point as well which uh, hints to everyone listening (laughs) um but oh my god like literally the, the romances in heroes of olympus ruined heroes of olympus i think that was the biggest well the giant situation of just being terrible villains Mm -hmm. but that was like a bigger part of well as well for the character relationships because they don't develop as individual characters they develop as couples yep i just agree and the worst part is that a lot of people are like oh the seven are like one of my favorite found families but they honestly feel like co-workers to me they're like yeah, three couples plus Leo, who just happen to be on the same ship for one book, and then they all go and do their separate things. But their main focus is like the other side of the couple. I just wanted to see the seven being friends, okay? But yeah. Rick only gives them a month to develop, like with the whole seven. And literally, Percy, Percy, Percibus is in literal hell. So it's just like a month for the five to develop until we get Percibus back. And then it's like a week in Blood of Olympus. So I feel like Rick didn't even give them a chance to be a found family. Yeah. And it's the same with like the Lost Hero. Like speaking about this book in particular, like the friendship, there is no Mm -hmm. friendship. There is literally no friendship in the Lost Hero. The only friendship that should exist is between Leo and Piper. That is the only friendship that should exist. Mm -hmm. But there is nothing. There is one moment one moment in the entire lost hero book where you see their friendship in a really good moment and that is when leo saves her and her dad when they're at, uh, on mount diablo and yeah. when she saves him in return that's a beautiful mm-hmm. friendship moment where she says no one hurts my friends and that was a beautiful moment but it's the only one we get mm-hmm. and we never see anything like that between them again it's so sad because I feel like they would be one of my favorite friendships of all time if it was always like that. One of my favorite moments in Mark of Athena is when Piper jumps off the Argo 2 into the water when Leo comes up because they thought Leo, Frank, and Hazel uh, had drowned for some reason because um, water um, centaurs took them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she jumps off the boat and goes to hug him and she kisses his cheek, I think, because she's so relieved that her best friend, because Leo truly is her best friend, she's so relieved that he's alive. And the amount of girl and guy friendships that we get in Rick Riordan is so little, and especially we only get to see them when one or the two are already in another relationship. Because if we get a single guy and a single girl, we know they're eventually going to end up together. So seeing them, was so refreshing but we didn't get nearly enough moments from them yeah i think that's the case for a lot of like there was another friendship that i i was really hoping for more of and that was um annabeth and frank oh yeah Mm -hmm. which like there was a hint of it and then nothing ever happened (laughs) disappeared yeah but we kind of see that like going into leo's chapters as well like leo in like the lost hero in general i feel like hasn't had like we don't we still don't really understand anything about leo's character i feel at this point and i feel like that continues like we continue to not really know that much about him until it becomes relevant and then we kind of do but it's in a way that doesn't feel like that big of a deal but then we're shown obviously in these chapters that like he is a big deal and i'm like 
okay but where and why like mm -hmm. that like this isn't shown to us in any way but um I just uh, to do Leo's chapter overview um, I'll just dive into that so uh Leo has his moment by showing his cabin mates his friends and Chiron bunker nine of course like Chiron does the excitement fades quickly as the terrible history of this place is loosely revealed. But Leo won't take the negativity because this place called him. His drawing as a child is the schematics of the ship that is there on the wall and the image of Festus is on it. This was meant to be. The great prophecy has begun and Jason, Piper and Leo are three of the seven. And like, this was a really interesting chapter, admittedly, because there is quite a few things that we get, like a history lesson, a terrible history lesson, uh, but a history lesson, we learn that there is like another section of demigods that are separated from these lot here. And that like the great prophecy has like officially started. Um, although, we, I, do we get hints of that? At the start? I feel like we get hints of that at the start. So like, it also kind of feels a little bit repetitive. Uh -huh. I think they mentioned that when Rachel was at the, campfire like near the start of the book when they arrive at Camp mm -hmm. Half-Blood um where like Jason does his reciting it in Latin sort of situation yeah um <laughs> but it's it's an interesting thing to have this but I do have a question for you about this because this is something that I realized when I was reading this and we'll kind of go into it a little bit later but maybe just talk about it here I can't tell what the signs are the piper being oh, part yeah. of the seven mm -hmm. because like jason we kind of half get because he clearly doesn't belong there's so, like there's obviously hints you get we get told the information in the next section as well that he is from this other camp um so that is where he's connected he's the exchange leo obviously literally created the design of the ship, of the ship. and created mm -hmm. festus and stuff like that but there is nothing about piper that gives us this information that yeah She's clearly part of the seven. I, I can't see like where they're getting that from, where they're assuming she's part of it. So I'm wondering if that was the same for you. Yeah, probably because especially Jason and Leo, more than anyone else in the seven, they're kind of even mentioned in the main prophecy to storm or fire the world must fall. So mm. those two, even if they didn't add anything else, they had to be there just for that. But mm. Piper, I feel like the only reason Rick put her in there is because the main climax of the whole Heroes of Olympus is the same climax that we get in The Lost Hero. It's just Piper putting Gaia to sleep. So because it's going to be a repeat, that's why we need her there. But you're right. There's absolutely no sign besides her being in that main first quest that she should go there. So I feel like she just like added herself into the equation, kind of like Annabeth did. Well, no, never mind, because Annabeth did have her solo quest, even though mm. most people didn't know at the beginning. But that's true. Piper did just put herself into the equation because she wanted to be part of the yeah. story, I'm guessing. Yeah, and it, I remember being, like, trading it now. It's like, I get Leo, and I get Jason. Yeah. Where has Chiron got the idea that clearly Piper is part of the Seven? Like... Like, yeah. where, where has he decided this information? Like, mm -hmm. there is nothing about, like, she did really well on the quest. Doesn't mean she's part of the prophecy of seven. Like, yeah. there's, like, I feel like that 
this is the whole thing. It feels like there was a missing section of like a hint of like her being important. Like, you know what we get in um God, what when is it? Maybe I think it's maybe House of Hades, where she brings Festus to life. Yeah. I feel like if we got on that moment in Bunker Nine, where like she says, like she says something to Festus and he just kind of his eyes light up and they kind of see mm-hmm. that there's a connection there. Not so that she actually makes him sentient like she does later on, but some kind of connection to show her power and her connection to the ship. I think like, even a small thing like that, I feel like would have given a good hint, but it's definitely kind of like, mm-hmm. but where has this information come from? Yeah. <laughs> I see your side to this. <laughs> I feel like obviously as readers we knew it was gonna happen because she's in the main quest in the first book but just because you help out in the first quest of many doesn't mean you're gonna be part of a big prophecy like we literally see that throughout the whole Percy Jackson and the Olympian series it's not just Percy it's also Annabeth, Rover, even Talia, Nico at some point so just Mm -hmm. because they were there and they were helping and they did help with these like smaller overall quests didn't mean that they were going to affect the overall prophecy at the end so just because Mm -hmm. piper was selected very clearly for that one prophecy doesn't necessarily mean that she is going to be one of the seven so i agree as a reader we obviously know that we're introduced to this trio so they're going to be part of the seven but realistically in the world there have been absolutely zero signs that uh she should be part of the seven besides kind of like Hera being like you did well and you might need to continue doing well in the future that's basically it yeah which obviously Chiron wouldn't know about so like exactly so he's just pulling he's just pulling shit out of the air he's He's like sure fair enough you're here that's yeah Yeah. why not we don't even know you exactly which is also a big thing like you're saying yeah these three children I well one of them I know and bad things these (laughs) children I don't know sure you're probably part of the seven (laughs) why not and the thing is that in the percy jackson series it was super hard for anyone except percy of course to get a quest and to do anything but now it's so easy you just have to be there and be like oh i want to go and karen's like sure why not yeah i think he's at that point where like you know when you have like a midlife crisis this is like a like a (laughs) two century crisis or something like Probably. that, like a century long crisis or something like that where it's just like you know what fuck yeah. it yeah, want it go like <laughs> <laughs> sure try to save the world yeah, yeah yeah if you die you know sorry fine <laughs> yeah. I, I knew you for two days so i'm sorry <laughs> exactly i feel like he's at a point now which admittedly admittedly he wasn't great to begin with like he he how is he a teacher of children like <laughs> oh my god there should be more teachers at the at this camp in general there really should be yeah because he should not be the only one (laughs) no um the whole thing like it's also just to kind of talk about chiron in in relation to leo's chapter as well obviously we get this mention of like him talking about this separation and they've dragged it out so much about the two different camps but the thing that's made me so angry about this section is that they won't even use the word camp. Oh, mm-hmm. the demigods were separated. Nothing else. I'm like, mm-hmm. you just can say they're separated into two different camps. Like, it's not that hard. I know you're leaving it for the second finale, basically. Like, we've technically had the finale. We're just going to mm-hmm. have another one. Yeah. Um, 
but it's just you can just use the word <laughs> it's just <laughs> I'm so tired <laughs> yeah it just honestly the two finales it feels like a Marvel post credit scenes like we get the first one yeah. which would be the bunker nine and then the second one when they're like all the head counselors are talking that's the final end credit scene so yeah. I get it kind of makes sense but since we're already here why don't you just tell us yeah like I don't get why they didn't end it in this section here mm-hmm. like where it's all in bunker yeah. nine or like I'll just even keep it in the same chapter I don't know just like <laughs> like instead of actually having just that like when they're in bunker nine and they're seeing this whole history and Chiron's just like oh I'm gonna have to bring you all together to tell you this story and get like he gives a history lesson so what they're at the big house and they have all the head counselors and he tells mm-hmm. them this story which leads to the announcement of these three being part of the seven um also re- make reference somehow to like how Annabeth must be important as well because like she just randomly turns up in Mark yeah. of Athena and I'm like when did they say she was part of the seven um I mean, knowing Annabeth, even if she hadn't had to do that side quest by herself, she probably would have, like, put herself in there. She's like, I'm going to get Percy, and obviously I'm saving the world again. She's kind of a pro at it by this point. So that honestly doesn't seem too out of character for her. It does kind of seem out of character for, like, everyone else to just not even mention who the other demigods are going to be. Yeah. But that is true. Yeah. And just have them all there together. So you get the announcement of the seven. And mm-hmm. the announcement of Camp Jupiter all at once. So we're not, because the yeah. whole thing is like, we have, where is my book? It's downstairs, bollocks. <laughs> um, we have like three, I think either two or three chapters left to get to that point or something like that, I think. Let me check. I have my book <laughs> yeah. right here. Okay. So 538 is the last one. Then we have a Leo chapter, a Jason chapter, another Jason chapter. And that is all. So yeah, so three, three chapters. chapters. Yeah. I'm like, why are they taking three chapters to say Camp mm-hmm. Jupiter? <laughs> like, you just need to, Ugh. you could have ended it here and kept us away from 600 pages. Like, what, mm-hmm. I'm already tired. Just stop adding more on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't remember this book was 600 pages. It's super long. It's longer than the finale. <laughs> that's just, that's a lot. Yeah, The Lost Hero is longer than The Blood of Olympus. The first book is longer than the finale. That's insane. Wow. I Let's not even go ahead and go into Blood of Olympus because we could stay here all day. Oh my God. I will have to bring you back on for, for The Blood of Olympus book. That's what, it when you mentioned it earlier, I was like, I want to talk about that. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'll definitely get you on. Admittedly, because I'm doing it in timeline order, after The Lost mm-hmm. Hero, I go into the Red Pyramid from the King Chronicles. Oh, right, right. Because they taking place around the same time. True. Um, and so <laughs> it'll be probably, I've guessed, like done like a guesstimate of when I'll get to Blood of Olympus. And it'll be about four years time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like great I mean I don't know if I'm free but I'll have to check my calendar <laughs> yeah. oh god hopefully it's... I'll I'll still be doing YouTube and if I'm <laughs> not just call me up and I'll I'll do this podcast just for you just to talk about this one book oh sounds good oh my gosh I did this whole count I was like so I figured that in eight years I'll probably have finished Trials of Apollo oh right are you also doing Magnus 
yeah so that's with charles apollo and magnus so they kind mm. of go in between so it's like yeah the first charles book first magnus book first the second and so on and so forth mm-hmm. um and eight it's years. yeah eight years mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's with the short stories as well it's a short story oh. as well mm-hmm. so i think actually there's a short story before i do the king chronicles book actually um but yeah so it's, it's oh yeah there is one uh the yeah. one with um what was that table called oh yeah the, oh god i know the table yeah i know i know the table something with a b yeah oh I'm no sure, but that's obviously not it what's the table it's like funny name like a from oh buford Buford, yes, Buford, yeah. okay. I'm just looking at my thing. Yeah. So actually, okay, I was wrong. So um, the Red Pyramid book takes place before that short story. Oh, But okay. the short story is in between the two Kane Chronicles books, oh which is interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, oh my God, I've got so long until I get to Son of Neptune. I have <laughs> a Kane Chronicles book, the short story, mm-hmm. a Kane Chronicles book, a short story, then son of Neptune. <laughs> oh, quite a lot to talk about before we get to Percy. Damn. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well. Yeah. All right. So I was still getting distracted. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll move into the main points of this. So I get like the two main ones for discussion for the demigod relationship section are to do with the Aphrodite cabin and the Hephaestus cabin I think so you mm-hmm. mentioned a little bit in our earlier conversation for Piper's chapter um about how the cabin rooted for her because mm-hmm. it really makes no sense whatsoever no like Mm-mm. she has been at Camp Half-Blood for a total of two and a half days yeah I'm pretty sure yeah so, makes no sense yeah and and they've decided yeah this is the person and i'm like but why (laughs) yeah they don't even know if she's crazy or not they're like well anything is better than drew but like is it yeah because piper's charm speak is stronger than drew's and even Mm. if they don't know that it's like so hard to judge someone's character from knowing them for two days so that is a huge risk for them yeah all they know is that piper went to camp for a day, has done a quest. Okay, that's impressive. She lived, but she literally just threatened someone with a knife. And you're like, oh, this seems like someone who would be a good leader. Yeah, and literally, in the description, they all jump back, afraid. Yeah. They're scared of her. And I'm like, yeah. and she has a sign of like how she doesn't want to be like a dictator figure. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Piper, that's what you've just done is the definition of a dictatorship yeah. like I've, i hate to break it to you but i think you're just as bad love yeah it's a bit hypocritical on her part not even noticing that doing that i get challenging drew to a duel if she really wanted to be head counselor then just go ahead and do that but literally threatening her in her own cabin it seems like a bit much for me yeah it's just yeah it was it was a lot and it's it, it the whole thing like it surprised me even more that after all of that after her threatening her with a knife threatening her about jason mm-hmm. the cabin cheers yeah like yeah. i know drew is awful like she's literally awful mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
but I don't like I don't think I'd be cheering about someone who's just no. threatened someone with physical violence to be my they, leader <laughs> they have zero loyalty I don't get how they can change their minds so fast if yeah. I was in Aphrodite cabin I'd be like sure Drew is gone that's good but we don't want this other girl who none of us know leading us and I read a couple of um in that chapter it says that Piper uh, helped them with the morning activities and she led them through it. It's like, how the hell does she know that? She, she's yeah. not been at CAP ever. She's never done any kind of activity. All she knows how to do is kind of wield a knife, but not really because she uses it more as a reflection to see what's happening in other places than for self-defense. She doesn't know how to fight until like Marco Fatina, I feel like. So it really makes no sense for her to be leading all of these activities when it's the yeah. first time she's doing them. Yeah, and she yeah, she's never done these activities before. Like she's never been involved with them. The whole thing was like what surprised me was just like I thought she would have like I think what would have been a great thing for her to do is I can't remember the guy's name. Is it Michael? Is that his name? One the I the Aphrodite so. boy who's lovely. Oh oh Michelle. Michelle, Michel, that's it. Michelle. Yeah, I think maybe Michelle, yeah. Um mm-hmm. who was one of the people who like gave her some clothes and like the the two who were really nice to her at the start. Yeah. He seemed like a really lovely person. And I thought yeah. in my head, was just like, you know, would it be nice? She dethrones Drew mm-hmm. and says, who else votes for Michelle to be camp, like cabin leader? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everyone seems to like him. Like mm-hmm. he's really helpful. He helps clean up. Like he is just a really nice person. Like he accepted her immediately. He's yeah he just seems like a really nice person and is clearly older than Piper as well has been there for quite yeah. a time knows what's going on I thought that was going to be like when she because she looked at them as well like she gave them a mm-hmm. look and smiled and I was like ah oh, maybe no yeah, no. <laughs> no honestly I never thought about that but I think that would have been the perfect way to go about it uh, it it truly would have been magnificent but yeah. yeah Rick especially okay this is what I was thinking because every child of Athena, the stereotype is they're like a pretty girl who breaks hearts. So whenever you think of a child of Athena, you don't think of a dude. So having this one guy who is super nice, who's not your stereotypical child of Athena, and who doesn't seem like he would go around breaking hearts, you know, he's like a pretty good representation of what a child of Aphrodite should be, just like an actual nice person. Yeah, It, it would have been so cool to see that represented because all we get is um female children of Athena so I feel like that would have been really cool to see yeah no I definitely agree I was thinking that as well just like it's like that image like we have at the start of like Leo's toxic masculinity when it comes to um I can't remember the guy's name now is it Bruce was that his name or Butch that was it I think maybe oh yeah so the, the Irish being his son of Iris, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The rainbow, the rainbow mm-hmm. tattoo helps fly the the Pegasi and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. Leo makes this really snide comment about, "Oh yeah, really masculine," and stuff yeah. like that. But he was an image like he was a really buff guy who was mm-hmm. connected to the rainbow goddess and was connected like had a deep connection with the ability to control and work with Pegasi with ease. So mm-hmm. it would have been a really interesting like flip on its head of having a son of Aphrodite be the head yeah. of the cabin and have Piper be the reason why it happened because you mm-hmm. know she realized yeah he's more competent he actually knows what's going on he's been here a lot longer than I have I just want to help out because you know 
I can, I have the capability to do so. Exactly. Also shows a lot of her personality. She is someone, she is like someone who is a negotiator. Mm-hmm. And she works to people's advantages. Like it's how she kind of brought Leo and Jason down from like their situation where they nearly tried to kill each other. And she yeah. nearly brought them out of it through both her charm speak, but also her ability to speak to what they were actually mm-hmm. feeling. Um, so yeah. it was just a missed opportunity. Damn. It truly was. And especially not only with Aphrodite, I feel like gods like Hephaestus and Ares, they're so like stereotypically masculine gods that all the children we get to see, except obviously Clarice, are mostly guys from those cabins. So it would be nice to see a mix because all of the Ares guys and even Frank, they're guys, except the one exception, Clarice. And then Hephaestus, we get Beckendorf, we get the other guy who was head counselor before Leo was. And there is that one girl, but she is Nissa. not as important as yeah. Yeah, Nissa. I really liked her and I wanted to see more from her, but they never give her as much as like an important role. So yeah. do we really need like every child to be like um, a mirror copy of their parents? It's, I don't yeah. get why it has to be that stereotypical. Yeah, I mean, I did a video about this on my channel of how Piper and Leo should have swapped godly parents. So Ooh. Leo should have been a child of Aphrodite and Piper should have been a child of Hephaestus. Because mm-hmm. not only do their personalities match with the like, Piper is a fixer. She's someone who wants to help fix situations. Leo loves love. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's, it's someone who's like an awkward people person, but like would be an a interesting portrayal of a child of Aphrodite who's really mm-hmm. bad at romance, <laughs> but really likes yeah. romance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it'd be an interesting sort of situation. But I see what you mean. Like, other, literally, other than Clarice, all the demigods of all, mm-hmm. yeah, of all the gods, all match yeah. the same gender of their godly parent. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Yeah, and uh. I think most uh, children of Demeter that we've seen are also girls, like yeah. the ones that are important. Uh, most children of Apollo, we do get like a bun- uh, kind of a couple of girls, but the most important ones have always been the guys. I feel like every uh, we've seen a couple of head counselors from Apollo cabin. They've all been dudes. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't think I'd ever kind of fully realized that until. Yeah, me neither, honestly. Just Damn. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, no, even the, the Hephaestus thing. So we get Nissa. I thought Nissa was going to have like a bigger part in Trials of Apollo. But then we get Harley, this yeah. nine-year-old psychopath. Exactly. So, yeah. Like, why? We it's, already yeah. have like a perfectly good character here. Why, why give us something else? Mm. Yeah. But kind of speaking on like the Hephaestus cabin as well, like we have a few moments of them um, in this chapter with Leo, obviously, because he takes them to see Bunker 9, which I thought was quite nice, actually. Like I kind mm. of didn't expect that to happen. But when he mentioned it, I was like, oh, actually, that's really quite lovely that he's brought yeah. his siblings. Even though he doesn't know them very well, he's immediately decided, yeah, I should bring them to this because, you know, it's our cabin's bunker. It's like for mm. us. Um but what I kind of liked about it, so when they see him with his fire powers, even though when they first mentioned it, it was considered like a sign of bad luck, um, it, was, it wasn't considered that way when they first see, see Leo do it. They're kind of surprised. They're like, oh my God, you have mm-hmm. fire powers? 
but they don't go back down there like then train of thought of like what they did initially of like oh this is a bad omen oh my god it means we really are cursed and stuff like that they just kind of take it in their stride um i think it's a really good sign like this is why i'm like i wish the hephaestus kids personalities that we see were what leo's personality was kind of like so someone who was like kind Mm -hmm. of more understanding a bit more i feel like their characters are more developed than leo's even though we hardly know anything about them because they're they're interesting characters they are quite individual in who they mm-hmm. are and like i don't know there's just i mean this i don't like leo as a character so i'm probably very biased <laughs> yeah i can tell <laughs> yeah no i i'm one of those people i've been told off a lot that i should stop talking so negatively about lee and i'm like i can't yeah. help it he just <laughs> irks me but um, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I like him. He's one of my favorites, but honestly, I do get it. Yeah. And honestly, I get why he's people people's favorite mm-hmm. as well. Like I can see it as well. But like I'm one of those people where like if there's something I've picked up initially where I'm just like, oh, I don't like that. It it colors my entire opinion of that character for the rest of time. <laughs> Unless yeah. something really changes my opinion of them. Mm-hmm. Like um Piper, I used to have like a bad opinion of, but then Charles Apollo completely changed it so I'm now much more in favor of her that now reading Heroes of Olympus I'm like you know what Piper's pretty damn competent Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah it's uh it's interesting seeing this interaction with like Leo and like his Hephaestus side especially in Bunker 9 like all of them kind of like freaking out about all the work that I've seen it's like oh my god this is amazing and kind of Mm -hmm. seemingly bonding over it as well it was brilliant I loved it so much yeah, it was nice to see because since uh, most that we've seen so far is just Percy and he's usually alone in his cabin, we don't yeah. really get to see that sibling interaction, even though they're just half siblings, they're still siblings and they live together each summer. We don't even get to see that from Annabeth because she spends most of her time with Percy instead of with her brothers and sisters. So that in contrast to the Aphrodite cabin, which was more cutthroat and basically a dictatorship, it was really nice to see them bonding af- uh, over like a shared hobby because obviously they all have talent in that regard. So that was really nice to see and to see Leo being supported and having people gig over the same stuff that he gigs over because Jason and um, Piper might be his best friends, but they don't get why he loves building stuff as much Mm. as he does so it's always nice to have best friends okay but people who also share your interest which I feel like Jason and Piper don't really so that's really nice to see yeah I think this this is kind of the thing where I'm just like I really wish we do get to see a bit more of their interactions with their 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 cabins because they're their siblings Mm -hmm. but you don't really see them interact with them that much in the like at all in the series they hardly ever interact with their siblings which is kind of sad in a sense Mm -hmm. um but it's nice to see bits and pieces of of this but um to kind of move into like the final part now we've technically talked about this in other areas so it's more Mm -hmm. just a summarizing bit of like yeah the plot reveals were the two parts of like finding out that this new trio are part of the seven prophecy and our questioning of like yeah but where is the evidence of why piper is (laughs) because it just seems like it's literally just kind of like you know because you know that's (laughs) good enough (laughs) yeah because she wants to yeah it's because she can and she's there and probably no one else would want to (laughs) yeah true yeah and um then obviously our joint frustration of 
why do they not talk about the other camps now and wait until we're closer to 600 pages to do it we literally got three more chapters left and then we'll get it and i'm like but why (laughs) we could have just had it now um so that's uh that was kind of the only thing for the problem girls but we talked about that a little bit so we don't really need to go over it again because um (laughs) we've talked about it already um but for everyone listening you know what part we're getting to which is the question of the episode so uh this week's question of the episode which we're going up on our social media is how did you all feel about the reveal of our new trio being part of the seven prophecy obviously that's going up on our social media so comment there or email in your thoughts i would love to hear your thoughts on this question but to finish up here, Celia, thank you so much for coming <laughs> to join me for this. This has been an absolute blast having you on. And um, it's been great talking about it and learning new things and then learning terrible things at the same time with the initial <laughs> yeah. start of this conversation. It got kind of dark at the beginning, didn't it? It did. And it usually, it doesn't usually start dark. It gets darker as well, throughout, but this went straight in for it. I, we just like... started really strong. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll take it that way. Um, <laughs> but um, for everyone listening, let them know where they can find your socials and all that sort of good stuff. And I'll make sure it's all linked in the oh, uh, episode description. Okay, so on YouTube, you can find me uh, in the YouTube channel, Unclaimed Demigod. And on Instagram, you can find me at underscore unclaimed underscore demigod underscore i'm sorry for all the underscores <laughs> unclaimed demigod was taken already and that's all i can do <laughs> all right awesome everyone that is of course in the episode show notes so be sure to go check out her channel and um watch the videos i again definitely recommend the rewriting heroes of olympus one yeah. because it is it is brilliant um i did a few myself but i watched yours and i was like oh man I should stop. Mine aren't that good. Oh, no. <laughs> I like the ideas you had with like the Leo and Piper godly parents change. That was a good one. Yeah, that one I was quite impressed with, although people did not. <laughs> they were not a fan. I was like, oh my God, I did not realize people would be so yeah. against this discussion. But, um, you know, that's Percy Jackson fans for you. Yep. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, of course, uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been great. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And can I say that you have a really soothing reading voice? It was a joy to listen to you <laughs> read. It was great. Oh, really? Thank you. I, that's <laughs> actually really lovely. <laughs> um, but uh, for everyone listening, again, thank you all for joining us for this story segment. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as I continue the Roald and Bless journey. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, Deezer, and basically wherever you listen to podcasts. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media, our Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts, you can email the Best Damn Camp at hotmail.com or become a podcast patron over at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access and other exclusive perks. Want more Percy Jackson content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And of course, check out Unclaimed Demigod. And uh, if you want to support my own writing, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, because my first novel is publishing next year. <laughs> exciting yeah <laughs> again thank you guys for tuning in 
as always that is an ice cream fan oh my god <laughs> that is so british <laughs> literally i heard it i was like oh ice cream <laughs> reminds me of my youth when i lived in england oh my god such nostalgia oh yeah um <laughs> sorry guys i got distracted by that um <laughs> as always i've been fran your very own hunter i'll see so i'll speak to you all next time bye bye <laughs>